You're listening to episode number 44 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about problems with dairy and keto, cyclical ketogenic practice using protein instead of carbs, and overcoming keto struggles, and so much more. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from HelpfulPursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. All listeners of the podcast receive a free seven-day keto meal plan, complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. The link will also be in the show notes for today's episode. Perfect if your daily keto meals have become a bit lackluster, if you're new to keto and a bit lost when it comes to eating what and how much, or thrive on being guided on what to do and when to do it. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, happy Sunday. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E44. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. I love being Canadian, the home of the true North strong and free, but gosh, I'm pretty jealous of you all in the US because you get access to Thrive Market while I'm stuck with limited access to the abundance of health foods that you all know and love. We have 14 day shipping and everything's really expensive and forget about free shipping. That's always out of the question. For all of my pals south of the border, my friends at Thrive Market are offering you 35% off your first box of groceries plus free shipping and and a 30-day trial so you can reorder your favorites a couple of weeks down the road. Imagine spending only $9.95 as opposed to the $20.99 on raw cacao powder, or $15.65 as opposed to $24.99 on MCT oil if you go to a retail store. So on top of their everyday wholesale prices, the extra 35% off your first box of organic and non-GMO products plus free shipping is going to make a regular $100 grocery run into about a 50 maybe $75 Thrive Market order for the same amount of things. You can go to thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off and this offer will expire in a couple of weeks. So if you're on the fence about it, the time is now. Again, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off and this offer is available to new Thrive Market customers only and people in the U.S. Wah, wah. If you have an idea for a podcast episode or want to submit praise over and above the review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can reach me by emailing info at ketodietpodcast.com. Two announcements that I have for you guys today and two things that our guest and I speak about. The first one is I'm going to KetoCon September 1st to the 3rd in Austin. It's a conference all about keto. If you haven't heard about it, you must get a ticket. If you're in the area or maybe you're traveling through Austin around that time, you can go to ketocon.org to get more information about that. And the second announcement is that in our recording today, I chat a little bit about perfect keto exogenous ketones and just wanted to let you guys know if you want to give their product a try, you can use the coupon code healthful. That's all in caps, no spaces. It's H E A L T A. H-F-U-L for 15% off at perfectketo.com forward slash HP. We chat a lot about it in the episode, so I wanted to give you guys that coupon code. So our guest today, his name is Ryan P. Lowry. He's a 2014 national champion baseball player, earned his MS and BS in exercise physiology and exercise 
and nutrition science from the University of Tampa. Ryan is currently the president of Applied Science and Performance Institute and is completing his PhD in health and human performance at Concordia University. Over his career, Ryan has published over 100 papers, abstracts, and book chapters on human performance and sports nutrition and is heavily focused on the impact of ketogenic diets and exogenous ketones on performance, cognitive function, and longevity. Ryan has received the Exercise Science Scholar of the Year Award, NSCA Award for Outstanding Presentation of the Year Award, and most recently, the National AAHPERD Exercise Science Major of the Year Award. Ryan and his business partner, Dr. Jacob Wilson, are launching their book, The Ketogenic Bible, this August, which focuses on the science and practical application behind the ketogenic diet, exogenous ketones, and all of their potential applications. Ryan and I have been friends on social media for quite some time, and he's just such a kind guy. And I always thought because he is very scientific that it'd be really challenging to speak to him because a lot of scientific people are and they speak in a whole bunch of garbly goop that nobody can understand and it makes the podcast really inaccessible but what I love about Ryan is that he takes very complex ideas and makes them super simple so that we can actually understand what he's saying and how to apply it to our own life so without further ado let's cut over to the interview hey Ryan how's it going today Hey, Leanne. It's going great. How are you? I'm super awesome. I'm so happy to have you on the show. This is so great. Oh, thank you. I'm super, super excited. I love, love everything that you guys are doing. And I'm a big fan of the Keto Diet book you just put out in the podcast. So it's an honor to be on. Oh, that's awesome. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself if people don't know how freaking awesome you actually are? <laughs> Thank you. Well, my name is Ryan Lowry. Right now, I'm the president and co-founder of something known as the Applied Science and Performance Institute here in Tampa, Florida. And so my background is I got my master's in exercise and nutrition science. And I've always been an athlete that's been concerned with exercise and nutrition and how to optimize really my, my body, but my overall sense of health so to speak. And so I got introduced to this field with my now business partner, Dr. Jacob Wilson, and we were formerly in academics. So we did a lot of different research on exercise, nutrition, supplements. And about six or seven years ago, we got introduced to Dr. Dominic D'Augustino, who's one of the leading researchers in ketogenic dieting. And we got fascinated by how Dominic was able to be so jacked and, and so he's such an amazing guy. And he was all he was eating was like sardines, <laughs> MCT oil, and he would fast for like half a day. And it was just amazing to us how someone was able to accomplish that. And he kind of introduced us to this concept of the ketogenic diet. And so Jacob and I, for the past six years really took and, and looked at this really research and really relied primarily on fat as fuel for an athlete. And then how can you take that information and then translate it to people who need it the most, like people with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, epilepsy. And so for the past five years, we've really been studying this concept of ketogenic dieting, ketosis, and even more recently, exogenous ketones uh, here at ASPI. Very awesome. And and when you first got started with the ketogenic diet and researching that, what were some, if you can remember, what were some like mind blowing things that you were like, what that actually happens? Because I know that when I first got introduced to keto, I was like, sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> and I kept experiencing all these right. things I didn't think was possible. Yeah, no, you're it's it's amazing. And so when we first started, there was there was no there weren't as many resources as there are now. And and that's one of the the most amazing things like your podcast and 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 the blog and everything. Like those those weren't as popular back then. And so we we're kind of going blind into it and and so when Dom was like, "Hey, you know what? I eat sardines for breakfast and then I have coffee with with some coconut oil in it and then I just have like a meal at night I was like what is this diet that you're eating like what what is going on here and so we jumped full in and and so Jacob and I were like you know what if we're going to study this if we're going to research it 
we have to put ourselves through it. And so the first time I did a, a ketogenic diet, it blew my mind because being a former athlete, I was one of those people who ate every two hours. Like I, I thought that I was going to shrivel up and my muscles were going to shrink if I didn't eat every two hours and my metabolism was going to slow. But all of a sudden I realized I'm only eating like two or three meals a day and and I'm incorporating in things that I neglected in the past like butter and heavy cream and and, and things like that and I was like this is this is actually amazing that I'm so full and I feel so great and alert all the time that I don't have to eat every every two hours or three hours or even four hours and that for me was so liberating and allowed me to just be like, wow, it kind of opened my eyes to this whole new aspect of ketosis. And you mentioned, you know, the full fat cream. And I don't even know if that's the right way to say cream because I don't eat dairy, <laughs> you know, like all the dairy stuff. Do you find, I'm in your research or in your practice and things that you've seen that dairy can be uh, detrimental to a person's progress on keto or kind of what are your thoughts on dairy and keto? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. And I, I don't really consume heavy cream anymore because of that. So I I find personally with myself and in a lot of a lot of the studies we found with a lot of the subjects that have incorporated the ketogenic diet, a lot of people seem to to struggle with dairy, like a lot a high amount of cheese or things like all, the, all these different kinds of cream, the minute that they cut back on those or they cut them out, it's like an instant change for them. They feel way better. Their ketones actually seem to go up higher. And that could be due to the lactose that's in a lot of these, these dairy products. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely recommend that. And that's something we talk about a lot is for people who are starting out on a ketogenic diet, just be aware of that. And if you're struggling or if you're hitting this sort of plateau, maybe take a look at your diet and go, hey, here's a way here. Maybe I cut out some of these cheeses because that could be what's driving a lot of maybe the problems or the plateau that I'm seeing in my weight loss or something along my journey. Mm, yes, yeah, so true. When you tell, you know, somebody who's eating a pretty standard American diet to increase their fat they increase dairy because that's really <laughs> the only fat they're eating. So, I mean, I've seen some right. crazy stuff with dairy. Like, oh my gosh, people making pizza crusts out of dairy and then putting more cheese on that. I'm just, I'm blown away. And then they wonder why they have inflammation or their joints are tight, you know, puffy eyes or not being able to lose weight. So yeah, that's so poignant. And what other, do you see other problems with keto or, you know, maybe mistakes that people are making on keto? Yeah. So it's, this is actually funny. The first time I, we kind of did a modified ketogenic diet, the first time I really tried it. And so I am a, I am addicted to sweets. Like I am, I love sweets and I grew up eating horribly, like absolutely horribly. I would have like cake and Oreos and cookies like all the time. But I was able to get away with it because I played sports. I was so active all the time. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm not that way. I'm not playing baseball anymore. I'm not doing this. So I cut back on those. But the first time I did a ketogenic diet, I literally, I, 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 it was a lot of cream. I did heavy cream, protein powder, and I would make something called keto mousse. And it was just like this heavy cream and protein powder and MCT oil. And I literally ate that four times a day. And I, I I did it for about a week and I realized I'm like, wow, this is this this isn't that good. Like I, I kind of feel horrible. Like I don't know what Dom's talking about with this ketogenic <laughs> diet thing. And I'm like, I, I was like, what the heck's going on? But eventually I realized I'm like, well, I'm missing out on a, a ton of other nutrients. This whole heavy cream thing every meal probably isn't ideal. So I, I think one of the biggest challenges that I see for people early on is that unless they're unless they truly have someone or have a resource to kind of guide them through the process and say, hey, like you can eat this, 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 and this, and there's all these different swaps that you can utilize for your favorite high carbohydrate foods. A lot of people feel like, oh, I don't know what I can eat. I'm just going to eat the same thing every single meal. And unfortunately, that can be a, 
a big problem and and lead to some complications. But I think of options. I mean, in your book, it's I open it up and I, I make them every weekend with my with my mom or or someone. I, I always love these new recipes, and I'm like, how do people look at this diet and go, it's restrictive? Uh, when you see all these amazing recipes that are possible, if you just open up your mind and go and get a little creative with it. Mm, yeah. And also not getting too overwhelmed with like complicated things. I'm not a complicated recipe person. I usually just add meat and fat and vegetables to a pan and that's breakfast, lunch and dinner. But also that variety is, yes. is really important of, you know, if I ate broccoli every day, all day for like the last three years that I've been keto, I would probably I don't know. I wouldn't be happy. So yeah, that variety and also looking at the nutrients and it doesn't have to be all different meals. I think people get so overwhelmed with, oh, but how do I make variety in every single meal? It's, it can also just be the ingredients that you're using. I find that's really simple. Like a stew made 500 different ways. Exactly. No, absolutely right. And, and, and small, small changes like that can mean the world of a difference. Like, okay, I can, I can make this. I'm the same way. I'm very simple. Like if I'm making a recipe, like I just don't want to have the, to spend an hour doing it. It's like, all right, how can I do this? If I'm going to cook up dinner, how do I take coconut, uh, fry something up in coconut oil or, or, or do something, some type of meat and vegetable? Like that's usually my 99% of the time. That's usually how I eat. More on my interview with Ryan Lowry after this message from one of our podcast partners. The podcast is partnered with Wolf Clinic Royal Flora, my choice in soil-based probiotics. Soil-based probiotics are a fabulously effective approach to repopulating the gut. The soil-based organisms are cultured in declayed plant matter free from pesticides, chemicals, and toxins. Unlike conventional probiotics, which have a shortened shelf life, are vulnerable to stomach acid, weakened by processing methods, and less likely to reconstitute or colonize the GI tract to the level we need it, soil-based probiotics are alive and thriving, meaning they colonize along the entire GI tract, rapidly forming into the bacteria your body needs most as soon as it interacts with saliva. Soil-based probiotics from Wolf Clinic called Royal Flora is my choice in soil-based probiotic, and my gut has never felt less bloated. I'm not reacting to foods in the way that I used to, for example, spaghetti squash. I can eat it, no problem. It's great. U.S. and Canadian listeners receive 20% off when you order from healthfulpursuit.com forward slash gut. Use the coupon code GUT, all in caps, no spaces, for the 20% discount to be applied to your order. Totally. And how has your keto approach changed over the years? Like we chatted about you removing dairy. Do you ever play with cyclical ketosis at all? Yeah. So right now I've incorporated more of like an intermittent fasting. I call it, I refer to it as intermittent eating because I think some people get scared at the word fast. That's brilliant. Um, so I call I it intermittent that. eating. <laughs> so it's, it's basically, I usually don't eat. I probably won't have my first meal here for, unless for like another three hours, which will be roughly around two o'clock in the afternoon, um, my time. So I usually have a, a, a nice like salad or something for lunch and then I have dinner. So I've been incorporating in intermittent fasting and it's been a huge, huge help for me with just traveling and, and working a lot. But I do do on the weekends, I do something, it's kind of a cyclic approach, but I do like a protein bump is what I call it. And, and I basically kind of, I lower fat bump up carbohydrates slightly, but I usually just bump up my protein because I, that's what the foods that I love are usually high in protein. And I love making all these different recipes that are, that have a, a bunch of different protein components. So I usually just do a higher protein day and I find it works great. It kind of reset, resets my metabolism. I fill out, my muscles tend to fill out more and I just, I just feel better going into the next week. So that's kind of how it's evolved for me rather than being seven days strict each and every day, the same exact thing. I'm just playing around with a couple different things and being more flexible with it. Yeah. I call that a protein up. I do that sometimes where it's like, sometimes I do carb ups, but sometimes I do protein ups and it also goes with my cycle. So when I'm ovulating, I find that protein ups feel better where I'm just 
eating a ton of protein and I lower the fat. So, hey, that's so cool that you're doing that. And something I talked about in the book too of some people want that variety and they don't want to rely on carbs. So they do the proteins and they find they feel so much better. So that's really cool that you found that as well. Yeah, definitely. And what kind of projects are you working on right now? Like, are there any, you know, pieces of research or projects that you're working on that you think that the average person would be super interested in? Yeah. So we actually, uh, so we just finished, we just published our first paper on ketogenic dieting and resistance training. So a lot of people don't think that you can gain as much muscle on a ketogenic diet, but we actually found that we took people and trained them for 10 weeks. And at the end of the 10 weeks, we found that those who were on a standard American diet and those who were on a ketogenic diet were able to gain just as much muscle as the ones that were on a standard American diet, yet they lost more fat over the 10 weeks. So that was really cool. A lot of people are concerned about the muscle. I actually think it's incredibly healthy and important for muscle uh, with being on a ketogenic diet. But one of our most recent studies, we did do a, we're doing a study right now on longevity, but we did do a study on an extreme cyclic ketogenic diet. So basically what we did was we had one group who were keto all seven days. And then we had another group that was keto five days a week, but then they kind of just like let it go on the weekend. They had, they kind of went back to a standard American diet. And what we found was that both of these groups were in a caloric deficit. So they were eating a low, a lower amount of calories. The cyclic group, which would kind of just let it all go on the weekends, they both lost the same amount of weight, but the cyclic group actually tended to lose more muscle um, and didn't lose as much fat as the ketogenic dieting group. And the reason that I think is because they weren't able to get back into ketosis and they were never truly keto adapted prior to starting this cyclic approach and they were never able to get back into ketosis until the end of the week. So basically what our conclusions were were you really, until you're one, until you're keto adapted, you should be careful about playing playing around with huge, huge carb ups for multiple days at a time. And like I know you recommend a cyclic approach, and I, I'm a big fan of it. I just think it needs to be controlled in a sense that people shouldn't carb up for like three or four or five days. And that's kind of what our research showed is just just be keep it in context. I think it can be very good for your metabolism and your insulin sensitivity, but just be careful with extreme, extreme carb ups. Like don't go to the buffet on your carb up day. Just be careful with it. Yes. I know when I first started the carb up thing, I was doing carb backloading. So I was lifting a lot and I was doing the backloading thing and in carb backloading, they say, you know, you can basically eat cherry turnovers and do all the things and you'll get muscles. So I was like, heck yeah, this girl's going to eat cherry turnovers. <laughs> I felt like death. I like, I don't know how else to explain it. It was like my body didn't know whether I was burning fat or burning carbs. It just felt like hot garbage all of the time. And I think it was, yeah, I was carving up too much with too many carbs, also eating sugar and grains and just didn't make my body feel good. And I think you know, there's, there's a piece to the carb up, you know, cyclical piece that really is tied into diet culture is when, I don't know if you see this as well, specifically when people have been doing a diet for a really long time and finally somebody gives them quote unquote permission to eat carbs again, they kind of go a little hog wild because they haven't had it in so long. I think that that's a natural reaction too. And it's just, you know, realizing like, oh, shoot, I don't feel so good when I do that. So I probably shouldn't do that again or make a choice to feel like garbage. And that's what I did for a couple months until I realized that it wasn't, you know, serving me. And now, you know, my carb up is maybe, I don't know, an apple, you know, <laughs> as opposed to like cherry <laughs> right. turnovers and ice cream, you know, so that's, that's really good advice. And to go back to the research that you were doing with the training and such, did these people also include women or was it just men? Yeah. So um, we actually had one study was purely just men, the resistance training one. Um, but we did do a follow-up study with men and women. And it was it was really, really interesting because 
we usually don't do a lot of resistance training studies with women. Uh, there's not a lot in the literature, but I think we need way more of it because it's it's absolutely absolutely needed. And we found incredible results with women as well. And and you mentioned before um, about their cycles. We found something really interesting, which I know a lot. Some researchers are actually starting to look at, but we we did see that some of the women who were kind of irregular started to normalize. And in the beginning, it was kind of like it, it was irregular and they were like, what's going on? But as the study progressed, like over time, they became a lot more regular. And for some of these women, uh, it was incredible because they hadn't been that way in years. So that was really uh, exciting to see. And, and I really hope that we see a lot more research in that area as well. Yes, completely. I hope we do too, because as somebody who had amenorrhea for eight years and used the ketogenic diet to get it back, there's not enough, there's not enough support. I mean, if you go to any doctor, I mean, I've been to basically every doctor in Canada about amenorrhea, (laughs) like none of them recommended that I eat fat. Like that wasn't a thing. Lower your carbohydrates, eat more fat. And it's just so frustrating. And even the fact that you're seeing it in your own research of women benefiting from normalizing their cycles or their hormones by eating this way. I think there's a lot of fear mongering out there with the ketogenic diet and women. Do you see that, or have you seen rather that the ketogenic diet needs to be adjusted for women? Like, do you see where there's areas where women might have to pay more attention to or not? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think, and I think a lot of it's individualized on, a, on an individual basis. And that's something, men and women, it's definitely individualized. But for women, as far as the variety in the diet, I think that's super important to making sure that they're getting in a lot of the essential vitamins and minerals that sometimes these guys who go like crazy hardcore keto can get away with, but women can't because their hormones like they rely on it. So I do think there definitely needs to be some tweaking with that. And and again, it's an individual approach. Completely. Let's chat about exogenous ketones a bit and working out and how to use them. I've been getting so many questions about this. And I feel like I've talked about it maybe too much on the podcast, but every time we come out with a new episode, people have more questions when it comes to ketone supplementation. So I'd love your thoughts on it. Yeah. So we've actually been doing a lot of research on exogenous ketones and they're really a fascinating fuel source in essence. And I've never seen, I've never come across a supplement that's so diverse as exogenous ketones because everyone looks at them as a fuel source that's one aspect they really are this all this this different fuel source but a lot of the research that's being done at our lab and then also our collaborators Dr. Angela Poff and Dr. Dom at USF if you look at ketones not only do they help with are they acting on on different uh, inflammation markers but they're also signaling molecules. And that's something that's really, really crazy and really neat for things like longevity. And what I mean by that is ketones are something known as HDAC inhibitors. And it's kind of a intimidating word. But if you think about like a switchboard and all these lights are on as we as we're say our age. And as we grow older, some of those lights and some of those panels start to turn off. And that's the typical normal aging process. Well, one of the reasons that, the, that they turn off is because of these things known as HDACs. And HDACs come along and they, they jump onto the switchboard and they, they shut it off. Well, ketones are kind of like bodyguards for that switchboard. And they prevent these HDACs from jumping on board and turning off a lot of these genes and and different uh, signaling molecules. And so we've seen in our lab and uh, a lot of different research that BHB, one of the primary ketones, is a very strong HDAC inhibitor, and that could potentially have a lot of implications for like longevity and quality of life as we age. So I think there's a huge huge story there and a huge potential for ketones themselves. That's so cool because 
oftentimes when people are talking about exogenous ketone usage, they're strictly focused on weight loss or boosting ketones to just have higher ketones. But I love that you're saying there's so much more to it than getting the supplement for weight loss or to just boost your ketones. So you can go to your friends and be like, I have a 3.4. What are you, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's on (laughs) my husband and I I feel so bad for him. He's been eating keto now for probably like a solid seven months. In fact, he read my book and that's when he was like, wow, actually I want to give this a try. (laughs) I'm like, dude, I've been, I've been sitting here for two and a half years doing this. So thanks. But, um, he doesn't register as high amount of ketones as I do. I mean, I can eat, I can get away with quite a few carbs and still have higher ketones in him. So it's just really interesting how it really, like, it just, it doesn't really matter. And he experiences the same benefits that I do. But I'd love to chat a little bit more about other health benefits, if you know of any, with this supplementation outside of the standard, take it, you'll lose weight. <laughs> Mm-hmm, right. And so weight loss is definitely, I mean, with ketones, it's definitely possible from a sense of, one, we know that ketones improve insulin sensitivity. We've actually done a study in animals where we took animals and we gave them exogenous ketones and we saw an increase in something known as brown fat. So brown fat's like the type of fat that we really want. White fat is not the fat that we want. White fat is what we typically see with like obesity and, and people who are overweight. They, ha- they tend to have a lot of white fat. But brown fat is like this what we call thermogenically active fat. So it, burn, it helps burn calories. We saw that ketones increase brown fat. So there is potential there. But like you said, Leanne, I think it's important to look at a lot of the other things. I mean, we talked about HDAC. Um, everyone seems to at least be understanding there is a cognitive component. So potentially increasing like alertness and focus and energy and things like that is, is a huge piece. And then the muscle sparing effects is one of the things that intrigues me the most is we've actually done another study with animals and we took them and we gave them exogenous ketones and we saw that things like muscle protein synthesis, which is what you see elevated when you eat a certain amount of protein or certain amino acids. When you gave BHB, you actually saw that muscle protein synthesis goes up and ketones themselves seem to spare or prevent the breakdown of certain amino acids like important ones like leucine, which can be very important for, again, anti-aging or just someone who's looking to preserve their muscle mass as, as they kind of go along life. So there is so many other benefits. And each day I'm getting more and more alerts and people emailing me and colleagues reaching out about studies that are going on. And it's just, it's just fascinating, not only in healthy populations, what's going on, but even in the realm of like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and everything that's going on there is just absolutely fascinating and incredible of what can happen when you really introduce this alternative fuel source, which is ketones. Mm. And this may be a silly question, but I'm sure everyone's wondering, how do you know what sort of fat you have? Is there a way to tell in the way that your (laughs) body, you know, your body composition or is there a test or how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, most people, I mean, if belly fat, the typical fat that you see, like the visceral fat that you see on your body, all of that's typically white fat. Babies, for instance, like babies have a high amount of brown fat. We can't really measure in adults how much brown fat we have, but people who are typically lean and you know, you, you, we all have those friends or, or family members who can really eat anything and the, they'll be at the party and they'll be eating all this cake and stuff and they're still lean and you're like, ah, oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> those people probably have a high amount of brown fat and they're probably very insulin sensitive. And we find that ketones themselves seem to help both of those aspects of brown fat and insulin sensitivity. Mm, amazing. And You know, we're chatting about the benefits of ketone, especially exogenous ketone. Can you achieve 
the same things that we're just talking about without the supplementation. Like if you follow a strict quote unquote ketogenic diet, can't you generate enough ketones and then you don't need to supplement? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest things that that people look for. I, I always tell people the key is first getting your diet in check. And when I talk to anyone about ketosis, I say, listen, it's a ketogenic lifestyle. It's not a quick fix. It's not this quick thing that you do for three days and then you're off of it. Um, I said, I like to look at it as incorporate a lifestyle. And that with that comes ketogenic diet, lower cutting out all these refined grains and sugar, exercise, even if it's just walking 30 minutes uh, twice or three times a day, that's a very important piece. And then if you want to introduce exogenous ketones into the mix as well, like there's a perfect triangle or a three-pillared approach to really optimizing this this concept of the ketogenic lifestyle. Awesome. And, you know, we're chatting about grains and removing these things and exercising more, even if it's just walking. I love walking. It's probably my favorite activity. But now that I have purple hair, which I just did, I know that the sun is going to ruin <laughs> it. So I got to come up with a plan because I don't want to wreck my hair. Um, more on my interview with Ryan Lowry after this message from one of our podcast partners. The show is partnered up with Paleo Valley, the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs. We all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system. Chowing down on Paleo Valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little beef stick. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical additive dye and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, receive instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. And if your jaw is just tired thinking about beef jerky, it's worth noting that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. The summer sausage flavor even tastes like those hickory summer sausages, but without the gunk seriously delicious again that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto for an instant 20 percent off savings but where do you see people struggling when it comes to the ketogenic diet like are there certain areas where you see time and time again where people are just not failing but just having a really hard time adopting to the ketogenic lifestyle i mean i didn't it was like oh wow i can eat more fat and then the next day that's what i did but i find <laughs> a lot of people do have issue with it where do you see that struggle coming from yeah i think the biggest thing that i see is people bailing out too early on the keto adaptation period and the way i tell people and the way i explain to it to a lot of people is listen if for instance if you're 30 years old and you take someone and a lot of times I'll have friends or, or colleagues go you know what I tried that for two days and I just I just felt horrible and so I just I went back and I had a piece of cake or something and I'm like listen for 30 years of your life your body has been relying on one on a primary source of fuel known as glucose. I said you can't expect it to turn around and in one to two days completely just turn around and go, hey, like now I'm ready to completely run on fat and ketones and I'm good to go. I said it's going to take some time to adapt, and if you really want to commit to this lifestyle, like it, you just got to you got to give it time. And and if you do it right, it can be done pretty quick, but just give it some time. And so I always just try and give people the best tools to get over that hump and incorporating in things like intermittent eating and electrolyte supplementation, which I think is huge during the adaptation period, is getting people proper electrolytes so that way they can fight through, hey, you're no, you're no longer providing all this sugar to your body, which you probably did before. And once you're able to really utilize and take in and optimize your diet to utilize fat and ketones as fuel, you're just going to be better off, way better off. Mm, yes. Spoken like a champ. It's so true because 
when I went keto, I was already paleo. So it was really just about, okay, well now I don't eat sweet potatoes or maple syrup. That's pretty easy. I was already eating a lot of fat. It was just about switching it up. But if you're coming from a place of, you know, where I was 10 years ago to go keto, oh my gosh. And I think there's also that all or nothing mentality of, nope, I'm committing to it. I don't care. And I think that always sets people up to fail. <laughs> like always. Yeah. No. And I, I love what you, I love that idea because I tell people that a lot. I say, all right, well, if you're really committed to this, why don't we start by just doing this? And, and paleo, a lot of people c- come over from people who are paleo. Just, it's a very easy switch to then go, okay, let me just cut out this, this, and this. And now I'm really ketogenic versus the people like, like you or I, like 10 years ago, I would be you think I was crazy. I'd have to stop eating all the fast food that I used to eat and all the candy bars and, and ice cream at night. Like I would have, I would have had no idea how to do it. But eventually over time I realized, all right, let me, I'm going to kind of switch to this similar thing and I'm going to switch to paleo, go low carb. And then it's a very easy transition to just go, okay, let me knock this out, bump this fat up and I'm ketogenic. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that we would have been food buddies back in the day because everything you just said about all the fast <laughs> food and I mean, oh my gosh, the food that I ate. And I, I don't know about you, but I never connected the two. I thought that the food that I ate had zero impact on anything. I just thought it was food. Like I, I never, I never once thought that, you know, I was actually, I had a dream last night, I think about cinnamon toast crunch. Do you ever remember that cereal? It was like one of my favorite (laughs) cereals and I would put it in a bowl, like how you would eat cereal. But instead of adding milk, I would add sweetened craisins, like dried cranberries that had sugar and chocolate chips. And I would eat that with a spoon for breakfast. Like that was my breakfast up until I was maybe 19. (laughs) I, every, every morning. Uh, and my mom would look at me like she'd be like at some point she'd look at me and be like you're gross like what are you what are you doing every morning I used to have cream of wheat but I used to put at least at least three tablespoons of sugar in it and it became like soup and it was like so sugary it was like (laughs) this sweet soup and I was like this is I looking back I'm like that was really disgusting and what I did, but that's just how I was like addicted yes. to eating so much sugar at that time. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And when you think of just the progression of where you came from and where you are, are now, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like the sugar soup all, you know, to the broccoli and ground beef that you mm-hmm. had for dinner last night, you know, like, and, and, right. and the satiation that comes from that, you know, that, it becomes such a natural behavior. You know, if I'm hungry, I just drink more water. If it's actually because I'm not hungry or I'll have bone broth and I'll add some salt in it. And these are just natural things where it's like, oh, I'm feeling hungry. Is it because I'm thirsty? And just checking in with yourself and asking yourself some questions. But I know even 10 years ago when I just started studying nutrition, it was mind blowing to think that all the things that we put in our body actually make a difference in not only our body composition, but also the way we show up in the world with our mind and our, you know, behaviors and the way we treat people and even our confidence. You know, I found that eating keto because my brain is a lot smoother. I I always say, you know, I feel like I have a smooth brain, whereas before it was all chunky and I couldn't understand what was happening. Um, I'm able to make Mm -hmm. better decisions also. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I love that. And that resonated with me, the check, check in with yourself, because I think so often that people eat like in this, I am a very big person. I do that. I do this a lot. I'll check in with myself and I'll go, am I really eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because I'm super stressed out? We just had an intense meeting and I have a lot of work to do. And then I'm like, I'm really about to go eat this because I'm stressed out. Like, let me just go grab a water and and put some electrolytes or some flavoring or even like you said, bone broth in it. Like, and I'm fine. And really checking in and getting in tune with your body. It's one of the most amazing things. And it's been a game changer, like you said, for my life, just not only just physically, 
with my body composition, but mentally, socially, emotionally, like how I interact with friends and family, it's just been an absolute game changer to be able to not be so confined and constricted by needing to eat every hour or two hours. And then just being, like you said, in a a smooth brain, like a don't really have any brain fog, but just being in this calm, cool and collective mindset where I'm just in a better overall place mentally and emotionally as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've, I don't know, because you have a sweet tooth. I know for me, sometimes I eat the sugar uh, (laughs) and then the next day, or even as I'm eating it, I'm feeling my brain just there's no way to describe it unless you've experienced it. I'm just feeling totally off. And then the next day uh-huh. you're emotional and you're, you know, biting off people's heads and you're just not fun to be around. And that, you know, <laughs> it's a really good glimpse to, wow, I used to be like this all of the time. And I was trying to manage all of these feelings while also maintaining a job and a marriage. <laughs> like it's, it's insane when you go back and you start to eat that way. Was there any, if you remember any steps that you took to get in touch with your body or did it happen because you were eating ketogenic? Was it, I know for me, it definitely helped when I ate keto. Cause then I didn't have all those crazy emotions and all the things happening and I could actually get in touch with your body. But was there a certain thing that you did or things that you do in order to stay in touch? Yeah. You know, I think it it developed over time, but I kind of implemented one of the things that's, that's helped me tremendously. I've implemented a ketogenic diet and like daily meditation kind of together. And for me, that's just helped me so much from a psychological perspective. That's what really helped me take a step back because I'm originally from New Jersey and, and the New York area. So everything there is like hyper like all the time like up 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 (laughs) the new york uh kind of mentality but i think just taking a step back and going you know what it's okay if i don't do this in the next 30 seconds like if i just take some time reflect on it realize okay the the world won't end if i just if i don't get to this email or i don't get to this thing in in 30 seconds like let me just take some time to reflect on it and that transferred into my eating habits my exercise habits and my daily routine to really get in tune with my body and go, okay, rather than rush through life and rush through my day to day, take some time, reflect, go on walks, listen to podcasts, listen to books, meditate, eat well. And all of a sudden it just kind of became this, this whole body process. And I'm just super in tune with it now and able to, to really take my, take everything to a whole nother level. It's just been a real game changer. Mm, Yeah. Agreed. So let's spend the next couple of minutes. I can't believe we've already been chatting for this long to chat about your book. Tell me about your book. Yeah. So Dr. Jacob Wilson and I, we wrote uh, a book that's coming out in uh, mid August. It's called the ketogenic Bible. And so basically what we wanted to do was just provide this ultimate resource for a lot of the science that has happened in the past and is happening now in the current day. So in this book, we talk about the history of ketogenic dieting, like all the way back to before the 1900s when this when it was introduced, why it kind of fate got faded out in the early 1900s and then how it kind of has since resurrected and now it's booming. And then we talk about a lot of the different applications. I mean, we mention everything from Alzheimer's to Parkinson's to exercise and performance to even cancer. And it's just amazing to see we have, we're so blessed and um, have such amazing friends and collaborators that are doing a lot of the work in this, in these areas. Um, like our friends at USF doing all of the cancer research with ketogenic dieting. And then we also touch on exogenous ketones because no one's really ventured down that area. Uh, and we've been doing a ton of research and looking into what are exogenous ketones? What can they do? What can't they do? And we've talked a lot about it um, today, but really just taking a deep dive into this whole concept of what is a ketogenic diet? What applications can it be applied for? And then where do exogenous ketones fit into that equation? And so that's really this, this resource that we've tried to put together for everyone. That is awesome. 
And who do you feel like the book is good for? I mean, you just covered so much ground, but who did you write this book for? Yeah, so I th- we've really tried to make it as wide as possible. And the reason is we use a lot of analogies in there, and I love analogies like the switchboard com- like analogy with HDAC inhibitors, really taking complex scientific topics and trying to break them down to the simplest terms and not taking away from the science, but really making them understandable. And that's something that Jacob and I pride ourselves on and we try and do each and every day is there's so much amazing science out in the world, even on ketogenic dieting and exogenous ketones. But the problem is that so many scientists speak over people's heads and they try and use these complex terms and make it sound super scientific when in reality it can be broken down a lot more it can be broken down simply and explained a lot better and so that's what we really tried to do that is awesome i can't wait to read it i'm so excited for you ryan where can people find more from you if they want to follow along on your journey yeah, so I do. I post a lot on Instagram. Uh, it's at Ryan P. Lowry, um, and I post a lot there. And Facebook, if you want to add me, it's Ryan Lowry. Um, and then Jacobs is the Muscle PhD, and we post a lot of different content and trying to just get. We do it a lot with infographics, like trying to get these complex terms and information out to the audience and out to people in like a quick easy, understandable manner. Because I feel like in today's world, everyone's, not only is their time limited, but they just want to digest information as quickly as possible. Um, And so it's just been trying to capture that and get as much information out to the world as we possibly can, just trying to really help people change their lives, ultimately. Mm, Yes. Thank you for doing the work that you do, because there needs to be a lot of us talking about this and the more of us that are talking about it the more people that can be helped because of the information that we're sharing so thank you so much for contributing to the conversation from one keto person to another totally oh well thank you and thank you so much you're what you've done in your work and i've literally told everyone about the keto diet book and and everyone that i know listens to the podcast so i'm very very excited because we really need more people, like you said, getting this information out there. And you're, you're so charismatic and you have such a positive spin on things that we – and one of my biggest things is this. Beyond just ketogenic dieting, beyond just ketosis, we live in a world right now that's so filled with negative thoughts and, and a negative environment. And you see news and media outlets putting that out. And one of my biggest things that I've, I tell people is we need more people to really make positivity louder and make the world a better place. It's going to take people like us and everyone listening to go out and spread more positive things, spread more positive news, more positive things on nutrition and exercise and just daily life. And I've loved following you and and learning, seeing you kind of do that every single day. So thank you for that and and being an inspiration and a positive light for me every single day. Oh, that's so sweet, Ryan. Look at us. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Guys, the show notes and full transcript for today's episode will be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E44. And I'll include a link to go pre-order the ketogenic Bible because awesome. And thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.